Happy New Year, everybody. It is the new league NFL year. Will Brinson on the Pick 6 podcast here. I am joined by two gentlemen of professional leisure, Ryan Wilson and John Breach. Ryan, John, how you doing? Hello, Wilbur. Good evening. <laughs> I have to say I, I, I appreciate the pity invite. Exactly. This is a this is the A team. You guys were the first people I checked with. The A team. The uh the New Year's Happy New Year's resolution is already old by uh NFL beginning of the season standards, but I appreciate you using it. I, I will say that I mean it, it really isn't a pity invite. Like somebody's gotta do the podcast and you guys That's called pity. <laughs> yeah, I, not, I mean dude, I mean like I mean I like doing the podcast, but you know Honestly I would listen to thirty minutes of you talking to yourself. If it was once a week, so let's not like rule that out for the future. Would why it's, it is weird? Like you always see um, radio hosts do, like Jim Rome, Coward, Dave Glenn here locally. Gottlieb does it. One man three hour radio shows, but you would never see like a one man thirty minute podcast. Like nobody would fire up a one man podcast right now, right? That'd be weird. Uh, you know, Bill Burr does the comedian. He just he talks to himself for thirty minutes, but the difference is he's actually funny. Whereas we're three guys who are probably boring people to tears and we're two minutes in at this thing. All right. Well, let's get right to breaking news that dropped before we started. So, I mean, of course, we've done these. This will be our third podcast of the week. Very impressive. You guys have helped make that happen. Uh, we've been firing out a bunch of content on this very podcast. You can subscribe via iTunes. You can follow John Breach at John Breach. You can fire, follow Ryan Wilson at Ryan Wilson underscore 07. You can leave follow the podcast on twitter at pick six pod again rate review subscribe we really appreciate it all the downloads you can tweet at me at will brinson um new year's on the league new league year started at 4 p.m news just trickled in a little bit on wednesday most of it broke previously but the big news that dropped right before we started recording aj mccarran who won his grievance against the Bengals, sat out of free agency got kind of awkward is landing with the bills are you sad to see your mans go breach uh, you know, I, I don't know. even remember if he's any good. And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, isn't this like, uh, you know, end of the year, you're like, oh, I love Bengals quarterbacks because Andy Dalton got us in the playoffs. And all of a sudden you're opening your present on New Year's and it's A.J. McCarron. And you know what? This guy's been on team for four years. I'm a Bengals fan. I watch the Bengals every week. And I have no idea if he's any good. You know, he played a few games. He looked good when Dalton went down in 2015. But even if you look at that playoff game that everybody loves talking about, he was dreadful for three quarters and then, you know, put a couple touchdown drives together in the fourth quarter. But, you know, if he's going to be the starter in Buffalo next year, that's that's not somebody I don't think they're going to the playoffs. Any chance you think that McCarron how, over or under on starts for McCarron, Ryan, six and a half. Oh, before I answer that, here's another question. Um, I'm going to turn it around on you because uh, before it's all said and done, I'm taking over the show. More more starts next year, Tyrod Taylor in Cleveland or A.J. McCarron in Buffalo? Wow, that's oh. a bad question. I wish you'd sent me that question before. I would have asked. <laughs> uh, I will say that Tyrod Taylor starts more because I think the Browns are going to take Josh Allen and sit him for the whole year, but I could be wrong. What about you, Breach? Uh, I would take Tyrod Taylor by a mile. I think that, you know, A.J. McCarron – Definitely surprised if he lasts the whole season, but I don't see a scenario where Tyrod Taylor is not the starting quarterback for all 16 games to the Browns next year unless he gets injured. Oh, I'm putting the Tyrod Taylor over under at six and a half. That's way where I'm on that. I, I think, well, they're drafting quarterback. We know that. There's no way on God's green earth they don't. And I, I think 
you know, we've seen in the past that they, they passed on Carson Wentz, they passed on Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser didn't pass on him. Deshaun Watson, two guys that are franchise quarterbacks, and we found that out pretty quickly. So I don't know why they would draft a guy and then sit him for a year behind Tyrod Taylor so they can win three games instead of zero games. I think A.J. McCarron, I think Breach is exactly right. I think they're taking a quarterback. A.J. McCarron is basically <laughs> a taller, more tatted-up version of Tyrod Taylor where their expectations are exceedingly low, but he's a guy you have to use if there's no other option. Uh, oh, See, I think that A.J. McCarron is a shorter, more tatted-up version of Mike Lennon. And yeah, that no, he's he's Mike Lennon too. You're exactly right. With a much shorter neck and and making a lot <laughs> less money. And what's gonna I think what's gonna happen is he's gonna the Bills are gonna package two picks, probably or maybe three picks, twelve, twenty two, and sixty five, and they're gonna move up into the top five. I think the Colts are an obvious landing spot. We talked about this in the last pod, but get to number three and then you're gonna get your pick of Josh Rosen Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. Or I guess if you wanted to go Lamar Jackson, you could do it there. I think I, look, maybe the Browns take Sam Darnold one, and then Josh Allen's there too. Um, but if they go with Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen at, in that spot, and they end up with one of those two guys, in my mind, there's no way that AJ McCarron will start more than six games because I think he will get the Mike Lennon treatment with the bad personnel around him. It's really similar to the Bears. Like they got a good running back in Lashawn McCoy, like Jordan Howard. You know, they got Zay Jones coming out of ECU, who came out of ECU, who I like, but he's not a true number one, I don't think. The Bears didn't have any receivers. And if people get banged up, all of a sudden there's a lot of trouble there. I, I don't see any way McCarron starts that many games, but it's better off than going back to Cincinnati and starting no games behind Andy Dalton. Uh, hey, let, let me ask this real quick, Brinson, as I've asked both of you guys this. Are we just at the point now where we're fine with no longer considering Colin Kaepernick? Because is Colin Kaepernick a better option than AJ? Because I certainly think he is based on what Brees just explained about AJ's limited exposure and being average to below average in those, uh, those snaps he took. Yeah. I think the whole, he's suing all the NFL owners thing <laughs> is keeping him from getting a job. He's um, officially blackballed is what you're saying. So I was in charge of the live blog today too. And so like, I've been retweeting like a mofo and I retweeted one of lock and forest tweets about Colin Kaepernick. And I got, 50 tweets in response were like shut up and keep politics out of this it's like well in 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 his defense mike glennon has gotten two jobs since colin kaepernick got his last one i mean and i'm i'm the biggest mike glennon homer apologist on the planet but it's hard to imagine nobody taking a shot on kaepernick it's what's dumb too is that if you sign him now you in the collusion case because it wouldn't be any collusion but if he goes through free agency and he's suing the owners and he doesn't get a job they got a pretty good Oh, a pretty good case against him, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're Roger Goodell, I don't understand why you're not calling someone up and saying, hey, look, guys, Kaepernick's lawyer has already said he's going to drop this case if someone signs him. So can someone just please sign him? Kaepernick doesn't even have to make the team. You know, he's he's been out of football for a year. So there's no guarantee he's going to make any team at this point. You can stay in shape uh, when you're out of football. But staying in football shape, staying in uh the caliber shape you need to be in to be a starting quarterback in the NFL is a little bit different. So, you know, if I'm a team in the NFL, I just sign him, let him go through training camp, and I doubt he wins a starting job and maybe not even a backup job. Some of the other big news around the league, and we're going to do, we're going to hit some news and then get to winners and losers. You'll probably, you can weave some of the stuff into both, but um, Joe Thomas retires. Is Joe Thomas, Ryan, the greatest player? I saw Robert Mays tweet this out. I think it's interesting because you got Adrian, greatest player from the 2007 NFL draft. You have uh, Calvin Johnson, Patrick Willis, Eric Weddle, 
Marshall Lawrence Lawrence, Timmons, Lawrence Timmons, Adrian Peterson, Mason Crosby, Mason Crosby, (laughs) and of course Jamarcus Russell. Is is Joe Thomas the best player from that group? He he's the second best after the twenty second pick in that draft. My boy Brady Quinn. (laughs) Oh, BQ! How dare you miss that one? The second round, yeah. BQ is one of uh, 20 Browns quarterbacks that Joe Thomas blocked for in his career. And I think he said later today, he pointed out, he's like, look, you know, with that torn tie, he, he battled to make it through 2017, tore his triceps, and he, his body was just telling him it's not going to happen. We saw him in Minneapolis, and he's doing that Thomahawk um, podcast with, with, with Andrew Hawkins. And he looked, he didn't look like a guy who was coming back to play football. He looked very very skinny like he looked more like a tight end and even a skinny tight end at that um so you so you don't you give you give the nod to brady quinn right how about this uh i I had to pull up the list because it's been a while did you mention darrell revis oh revis is i still i'll take joe thomas and peterson over revis and calvin johnson i think the biggest competition there is calvin johnson yeah those three names i don't know what breach thinks but i feel like Joe Thomas was just lost in terrible Browns team after terrible Browns team. In fact, I think the best Browns team was 07 his rookie year when they won 10 games with your boy Derek Anderson, and they still missed the playoffs. Yeah. But um, what do you think, Breach? I mean, you. I think you could throw Marshawn Lynch into the argument. I think Ooh. you could throw Eric Weddle into the argument. Maybe you don't hear about Weddle as much, but he's a Pro Bowl caliber player who's been good for 10 years. Uh, you know, Thomas, obviously one of the best at his position. But I think definitely Marshawn Lynch is in the conversation. So, but I do agree with Brent. I think you put Joe Thomas uh, and Megatron up there, and it's hard to uh, top those two. By the way, the you know uh, Pro Football Reference uses approximate or uh, approximate value or whatever is the stat to determine a player's worth. Uh, we might need to question it because number one, Patrick Willis, ninety two. Look, Patrick Willis is incredible. Number two, Adrian Peterson, Darrell Revis at three, Joe Thomas. At four, David Harris at five, Calvin Johnson six. I do think that speaks to the fact that Calvin Johnson played for a month. Like Calvin Johnson and Joe Thomas are polar opposites. Calvin Johnson played a position that everybody watched, um, piled up stats, played for a very short period of time, also on a crappy team, the Lions. Um, Joe Thomas played forever, never missed any games, and, and didn't you know don't have the stats because you're at left tackle. Joe Staley, by the way, still playing from that class. I, Marshall I would, Yanda too. I just noticed. Yeah, that's right. Um, Ryan Khalil is still playing. Very good player. That was a really good draft. Paul Pozlozny just retired, too, as well. And, of course, Adrian Peterson was cut from the Cardinals. I would take Calvin Johnson over Joe Thomas, but I would be fine if you wanted to take Joe Thomas. Honey Badger cut by the Cardinals as well, along with Adrian Peterson. How <clears throat> robust do you think that the market will be for Tyron Matthew breach? Uh, it's going to be all over the place. I think people are just going to throw money at him. I think you're going to have general managers driving to his house with money in their trunk and just like dropping it on him. This guy, if you're any team in the NFL, he played in 16 games last year for the first time in his career. So he's finally healthy. Uh, he's pro bowl caliber dude. And literally you could make a use for him. I would say 25 out of 32 teams could use him. Ryan, do you want him on the Steelers, yes or no? He's 25, he's a pro bowler, and uh, he's incredibly versatile. The Steelers just cut three veterans from the secondary. So as I've been, as I said the last time we talked last week, I think they should trade a third-round pick for Earl, Holm, Earl Holmes, Earl uh, Thomas. Earl and Holmes. I would 
<laughs> yeah, it's an old school Steelers reference. And um, absolutely find a way to to uh, get Tyron Ma- uh, Matthew. I think maybe JLC to tweet this earlier today, but he said that the uh, Cardinals were willing to give Tyron a pay cut to nine million a year. Yeah. And he said, no, thanks. So that's the that must be the floor for, for him, which makes sense. I mean, these inside linebackers who've just signed Avery Williamson among them have gotten something like nine million a year. So I imagine it's going to have to be pretty far north of that. And that pretty much puts the Steelers out. I know Breach sort of joked about him going to, to the Bengals and, and they they actually might be cheaper than Pittsburgh. So I don't know if those are realistic options for him. Well, uh, I thought it interesting. He was in California, I guess, at NFL media and talked to Greg Rosenthal, who in but more or less said, and this is why I think when the Cardinals said, can we get you to nine million? He said, no way. Cause he had that, he had the option coming up for the next two years that guaranteed a salary for those two years. And it would have been more than that 9 million, obviously. Um, and he was under the, he's under the impression he can get more than what the Cardinals were going to pay him in free agency. So, I mean, maybe he's willing to take a cut to go play for the Steelers and, and to be a guy that plays on a, you don't think so? Maybe a you, know what, you know what Prisco always says? It's about the money. And I know, what did what did Teron tweet today? He tweeted that he wants to go to a team that likes football and likes winning. But, I mean, like, who doesn't say that? That's something your agent writes. Bro, like, what do you need? Yeah, but also, you know, you look at that $9, $9 million a year number. <laughs> that was and... your salary breach. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I made working at Blockbuster Video, my first job. Uh, Nine bucks in Blockbuster Video. That was rolling in the dough in high school. But you look at eight, so nine million dollars a year. He was gonna get eighteen point seven five million over the next two years. So that was part of it, you know. When he's not taking a pay cut, if he had been on the roster, that would have guaranteed over eighteen million for this season and next season. So you know, the Steelers could shape something where maybe they give him seven million dollars a year plus, say, an eight million dollar signing bonus, which then averages out to eleven million a year, and then you can split it up over two years. You know, like there's ways where you're not paying him. $9 million a year per se, but he's getting the money he wants also. And the Steelers are creative. Uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get a safety to your team, Ryan. Three, Thanks, landing spots, three landing spots that might make sense from a personnel standpoint. The Giants hired James Bechter uh, from Arizona, who was the defensive coordinator, is their new defensive coordinator. So there's a lot of familiar, familiarity there. The Jets are not a team that might win, but they have Todd Bowles, who's his old D.C. And then uh, – Trevor Sikama pointed out on Twitter, the Tampa Bay Trey, that previously, like a month ago, uh, Matthew, uh, the Honey Badger, quote tweeted the Bucks hiring Brinson Buckner. Love that guy. Had his jersey back in the day. Brinson, get it? Um, hired him. Uh, he's a future D. He's a Panthers defensive lineman. Um, yeah. Pick like Cowboy. Yeah. They hired him as a defensive line coach, and, and, and Honey Badger said future defensive coordinator. So those three spots – not necessarily guaranteed to win, but potential places that might fit for the Honey Badger. And Dominican Sue officially released as well. I think he will also have a big market. And I wrote the landing spots. Um, the, you, know, you wrote you wrote a post that had thirty two landing spots, which I thought was hilarious. I had nine. <laughs> in, did I write thirty two? I don't do that. No, this. no, I'm joking. You had a third of the league, which is pretty We've funny for a guy who just got cut. Landing spot situation before. I know we have. Um, I had nine. All nine are realistic. He said he wants to play for the Eagles. He'd do it for free. He's not going to do that, though. Uh, I think Seattle makes a lot of sense because they, they're trying to revamp that defense. They'd have to spend a lot to get him clearly. But he's from Portland. Be sort of a hometown trip uh, to go back to Seattle. New England is going to get floated because the Patriots get floated with talented 
veteran guys. And then, you know, according to some reports, he just wants to get paid. If that's the case, uh, as Breach pointed out in our uh, chat client, Slack, that the Colts, the Jets, and the Browns all make sense because they have a ton of cap space. Where do you see him heading, Breach? Uh, whew, I, I would love the Patriots. You know, he run stopper, plug that up and uh, crush it there. But, you know, he's all about the money and New England's not going to throw money at him. I do like the Seahawks. I think he'd be a good fit there. And you look at who they're losing. They just lost Michael Bennett. They just, they're losing Sheldon Richardson. I don't even know who is even on that team anymore. Like, what are the Seahawks doing? Uh, Frank Clark and um, Deion Jordan, first round tender. And right. Which is insane. That is insane. I guess they they like him. Yeah, but it's, and so if they're going to rebuild their defense, I mean that would be a pretty solid anchor to get him there on the defensive line. So uh, you know, if I'm the Seahawks, I, I'm trying to figure out how he's going to fit under their salary structure. Brian, it also seems to me like if he went to Indianapolis, I could totally see them paying overpaying for him. 50% over the next closest team, and then him not doing one thing, just totally quitting and getting paid for a year and a half, and then they cut him in the summer, and everyone says we knew this was going to happen. I, I think Seattle does make a lot of sense. Um, and, and you know what? In Dominic so athletic, you could actually have him play offensive line, too, to help Russell Wilson. The uh, the culture <laughs> – that's actually a good idea. Um, I, I was so busy transitioning to a compliment for your three-year-old column where you wrote – Seuss contract could come back to haunt the Dolphins. That, How about uh, that, huh? That I didn't even get your Russell Wilson offensive line joke. I, I do think the Colts would be interesting because they have a ton of cap space. Um, they could potentially draft Bradley Chubb at number three if they don't trade down. They're switching to a 4-3 th- defense under the new defensive coordinator. And as a result, they don't really have the personnel to run it. And you could plug Sue in there right away, and he'd be that sort of gap-shooting, pressure-inducing type of guy that would fit in a Cowboys-like scheme, and that's what they're trying to run uh, in Indianapolis. And real quick, you yeah. know, this guy, the Dolphins, getting rid of him, and they're eating a $22 million cap hit. So you just think about, I think we said this the other day, how much he had to be disliked in that locker room, how badly they wanted to get rid of him. So another thing with the Patriots and the Seahawks is that you kind of have the strong coaching staff that can handle that. Uh, you know, you bring in the trouble players, and they're not going to screw off because they're like, oh, I'm playing for Bill Belichick or I'm playing for Pete Carroll. So I think those players work out better in a situation like that. Jared McKinnon got some big money from the 49ers. You buying or selling this move by the 49ers to add an ex- another expensive running back. They added uh, Kyle Jusic last year. Did I pronounce that wrong? Probably. Um, in free East agent. check, I think. East check. So this is the second overpriced. Jared McKinnon is now the, uh, the fourth highest paid running back, maybe the third highest paid running back in the NFL. That's insane. Yeah, I think he's number four. Lev. Uh, Dante Freeman and, and Shady, then I think it's it's um, Jarek. Well, here's the thing that I thought was weird because Deion Lewis and Jarek are, so, are sort of similar players. And while four-year deals, it's hard to really read too much into the the final contract number. Um, Jarek is making thirty million over four years, while Deion Lewis in, in Tennessee is making twenty-three million over four years. And Deion Lewis was so much more dynamic last year that it makes you wonder <laughs> exactly. It makes you wonder if Kyle Shanahan got the wrong guy, but. Mm-hmm. Our, my buddy Peter Schrager at NFL Network spent all afternoon saying that there was a like a bidding war for Jarek McKinnon. He wasn't a full-time back in Minnesota. His goal, his hope is to be a full-timer or more of a full-timer in Jimmy GQ's offense. 
And uh, I think he's a dynamic player. I don't know if he's worth what they're paying, but for what they were paying for wide receivers the last few days, maybe Jarrett McKinnon makes sense because he can run and catch the ball. He feels like a Tevin Coleman type, Breach. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. Look, I'm buying this all the way because I'm buying everything the 49ers do. Like, I don't think they've made a bad decision since John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were hired. So, you know, if, if they could bring in anyone and I'm all over it. And you look at what Shanahan had in Atlanta. He had the two running backs. He had Devontae Freeman. He had Tevin Coleman. And it feels like that's what Shanahan sees that Tevin Coleman role for Jarek McKinnon in San Francisco. And now you have Garoppolo. Now you have Garoppolo's favorite receiver, Marquise Goodwin, coming back. And now all of a sudden, like, this offense is kind of scary. Hey, let me put this to you. Um, Both of you guys. Are the Seahawks now the worst team in the the NFC West? Mm. I think they are. They might be. The 49ers, I would probably take the under right now on the 49ers win total because it's going to be too high because people are uh, – Eight. Yeah, I, well, that's right. That's a good, that's a good over-under. I'd take the uh, – I think they could go seven and nine easily. I don't think they're going to go ten and six. Ooh. And to answer Ryan's question, I am going to go with the worst team being the one that has Sam Bradford as their starting quarterback. So you can sign me up as picking – the Cardinals finishing a well Super Bowl team from 2017, going from Brinson's Super Bowl pick to the seller <laughs> of the NFC West. By the way, I think Sam Bradford's a winner in free agency. And not just Sam Bradford, I think that the Cardinals are a winner. Uh, we can talk about that now or later if you want to continue yeah, your thought. Brinson, let's, so. uh, let's, no, let's dive into winners and losers. We'll, we'll hit, we can hit some of the other news as we go along. Winners and losers from free agency. I really don't care. We could just do news throughout the entire show because that's sort of what it is. But I got this winners and losers post I have to finish up tonight, and I'm going to steal your ideas and use them in my column, just so you know. Ryan, who's a winner from free agency? Well, Sam Bradford, uh, he's clearly a winner. He made $20 million bucks uh, just for playing two games last year. I think Eric Weddle, the Ravens' safety, was onto something when he tweeted the other day that Sam Bradford has done so little to earn $114 million over eight seasons because he's been hurt the whole time. But all that said, I think the Cardinals needed a quarterback. They weren't going to get left with A.J. McCarron. They weren't going to be the Bills. And so once Cousins went off the board, once Case Keenum signed uh, in Denver, the Cardinals had to move quick, and, and their options were limited, and they went with Sam Bradford. And I think Sam Bradford's a perfect one-year solution. You know, the huge caveat is – please don't let anyone breathe on him for, for the next four or five months. But if so, I think they can be really good. Two years ago, he was he was a, an above-average quarterback, and that sort of surprised a lot of people after what he did in Philadelphia. And, and I think he, him being healthy will make the Cardinals not the worst team in, in that division. That's not a resounding vote of confidence, but it's, hey, at least you're not uh, Russell Wilson playing behind offensive line in Seattle. I would actually I – w- I think I was going to have the Cardinals as losers mainly because – I, I agree with you. I think Sam Bradford was great in week one last year. <laughs> he was. He had a really, really – they destroyed the Saints. Yeah. But then, then he got hurt. But he's got a phantom knee injury. And Glennon – I thought Glennon was better than people gave him credit for on a <sighs> bad team. Come like, on. I, well, okay. I think what the Cardinals have done in terms of not being able to get Kirk Cousins and then going after Bradford and Glennon – and setting themselves up where they can go get a quarterback in the draft, but they don't have to, and they can still be at least competitive, was a smart move. However, if they don't fortify that offensive line, it could get ugly quick. Bradford could get hurt. Glennon is not great when you pressure him quickly. Um, has to play out of the shotgun a lot. And Just for clarification, when is Glennon great? I'm like Glennon. Glennon is going to win at least one game this year. I guarantee that. Um, <laughs> 
And I think bold, bold prediction. The other, reason, the other reason that they're losers is that they had to do, they had to sign, announce the signings of Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon on the same day they cut Honey Badger, who's a fan favorite, and people are pissed off about this quarterback situation. You know, everybody's everybody's loving the Rams and the and the Forty Niners and and the Cardinals are, are getting thrashed. I mean, they're not getting positive PR on on social media. So I, I would say they're losers, but I don't think that they're dead yet. Um, I, I agree. The Seahawks could be the worst team because their offensive line is going to stink. Uh, John, who's a winner of yours? Well, uh, let me go on this Cardinals thing real quick because I have the Cardinals as a loser. I mean, here's the thing. How can you in the Cardinals front office look at your fans with a straight face and be like, hey, we asked Honey Badger to take a pay cut, but we're going to write Sam Bradford a $20 million check. Like, that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. I, you got to prioritize if I'm the general manager there, I'm keeping Honey Badger and maybe offering Sam Bradford $15 million. You know, like, that's how I'm making that work. And I just don't think, you know, the Rams defensive line. Sam Bradford has to go against the Rams defensive line twice a year. The chances of him surviving either of those games all the way through is like 12%. And Mike Lennon, you know, we saw what he did in his first few games against the Bears. So I'm just not sold on anything the Cardinals have done. Uh, so big losers. And if you want a winner... Dante Moncrief. There you go. That dude got paid <laughs> for Dante reasons that Moncrief. remain a mystery. <laughs> oh, that's a good. I don't get. And I got thrashed by Jaguars fans today for saying that Moncrief. Like, I don't get if you're the Jaguars how you cannot. You say like, we're not going to franchise tag Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, and we're going to go out and pay Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief and give. I think JLC Jason Lockerford reported it's ten million bucks, not fully guaranteed. Yeah. But up to, I think it's up to incentives, right? Ten million for for Moncrief. Um, it even doesn't if, even matter. The fact that it's ten million is embarrassing enough. Yeah, like you just got two. Moncrief's got upside, and he's still young. He's only twenty four. But Allen Robinson had a fourteen hundred yard season at age twenty two and led the league in touchdowns, catching catching passes from Blake Bortles. What are you doing? Keep him around. Franchise tag him. Negotiate a deal with him. Doesn't make but any Brinson, sense. Does he have upside? I mean, he's going to Blake Bortles, and that's a huge step down from Andrew Luck, where he was terrible. Like if you're not good in Andrew Luck in his prime. What's going to change when Blake Bortles short hopping you passes all afternoon? It's, it's not, not a good. It's not a good look by the Jaguars. I don't you like. Know, I don't. Yeah. Then the Jaguars overpaid for Andrew Norwell, who's who's going to help their run game, and that's great. I, I don't like the Jaguars all season so far. Doubling down on uh, on Marquise. Well, no, do, yeah, doubling down on Bortles, doubling down on Marquise, and then bringing in Moncrief and paying a guard. I, I get that they think that they were you know this close to a Super Bowl, and they were. But I, some of that was luck, and I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen the way they think it is next year. They also replaced Aaron Colvin with DJ Hayden, who was god-awful. Yeah, and also, you know, maybe Moncrief is a great run blocker, <laughs> you know, because they can't be paying him for his receiving skills, right? That's like saying you have a great personality. Exactly Not, like saying that. Yeah, I, Give me another winner, Ryan. Oh, let's see what I got on the old list here. Uh, we talked about Jerick McKinnon. Uh, you know who I think the uh, a, a big winner is, and I got to double check to see what they've done. But um, the Jets. Mm, so like uh, <laughs> I like the idea. You know, we're talking about quarterbacks and sort of refining themselves. I think Teddy Bridgewater makes sense if he's healthy. There were reports that his deal was one year, fifteen million. I think Lock and Forest says closer to one year, five million. But they added Crowell in the backfield. That's good. But on defense, they added Avery Williamson, who's like a fast 
uh, strong physical inside linebacker from Tennessee. Tremaine Johnson, who was franchised two years in a row for mystery uh, for reasons that remain a mystery in, in L.A. the last two years, but he's a good a good running back there. And, and I think, you know, no one's going to brag about Josh McCown, but I think Teddy Bridgewater having a chance to play can sort of turn the page on Hackenberg and probably Bryce Petty too. And then take a quarterback if you want him in the top five and, and sort of go from there. But I think Bridgewater has a chance for relatively cheap. I mean, he's $15 million cheaper than, than what the, the Cardinals are paying uh, one leg Bradford. So there's a chance he could be healthy and play well. Um, Stacey Dales was talking about this to the NFL Network. She spent a lot of time with the Vikings last year, and she said all that Teddy Bridgewater did was uh, put on muscle. So he gained like 20 pounds of muscle. He's much stronger, hopefully less susceptible to, to injury, and um, certainly an upgrade at quarterback, I think, possibly over anything that uh, the Jets have had since uh, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick and his heyday a couple of years ago. Are you worried that they don't have any room? Rich, I think Rich Eisen tweeted this. Give him credit there. But are you worried they don't have any room? For another for a rookie quarterback, I mean, it's like who's if you draft if you draft a rookie, how's he getting wraps with McCown and Bridgewater there? Well, I mean, how does any rookie get get wraps? I mean, the the uh, the Bears signed your buddy Glennon last year, and Trubisky was starting by week seven, I think, maybe before that. I, I think if you sign. see what Teddy, you sort of do what you did with Deshaun Kaiser last year, you, you start him, you see what you have, and if it's not working, you bring in bring in the rookie. I don't think it's that. There's no way that Bryce Petty and, and Hackenberg are going to be around if they draft a quarterback at five. But McCown, Bridgewater, and and then the the rookie that they're theoretically going to draft. I mean, there's no room for it. Yeah, but you you might not need the room because you. Here's the thing with Teddy Bridgewater. Look, he hasn't played it down in two years. You get the training camp, and either you're going to be like, wow, we have the, just this secret, this treasure. Nobody knew how good he was going to be after taking two years off, and he's taking all the subs all of a sudden because he's going to be the starter. Or he's horrible, and all of a sudden you let your rookie start taking his snaps. So I, I think the Bridgewater thing is going to figure itself out pretty quickly once training camp starts. Yeah, I mean, look, I guess the other thing, too, is you could say, Josh, pal, we're going to yeah. give you <laughs> We need you to be a coach. You're going to be the third string guy. We got to give the rest. And McCown will probably do it. And he wouldn't be thrilled about it. Um, but if you draft a guy and Bridgewater looks good, and apparently the upside of Bridgewater's deal is like 15 million, which is bananas. The downside could be five million, I think, or the minimum is five million, depending on what happens. Is it bananas though? Blake Bortles is making 18 million dollars next year. Well, if it's if it's all incentives and Bridgewater has to play well and he plays well and he hits up, then you take it and run with it, and all of a sudden. If you don't draft a quarterback and Bridgewater is great, you could feel really good about how things go. If you get like a stud player, I guess they won't go Minka Fitzpatrick or Derwin James at six, but you could go Quentin Nelson at six. I mean, there are ways you come out of this feeling good about it, but there there is a lot of risk that you're putting on, uh, on on Teddy Bridgewater. I'll tell you who a loser I've got in free agency, guys. The New England Patriots. They signed – did you have me beat to that breach? Were you going to say the Pats? They signed Rex Burkhead back, and that's all they've done. Other than that, they lost Malcolm Butler to a big deal. And Butler was a good good cornerback despite what happened last year. They lost Nate Solder to a big deal, and he went to the Giants. And that's the biggest loss in my mind. And they lost Deion Lewis, who went on a big deal to the Titans. I think there was some – Danny Amendola to the, uh, to the Dolphins. Those are a bunch of big losses for the Patriots. Do you think – John, John, that this signals the end of the Patriots dynasty. I mean, we got to be getting there. You were you wrote about the end of the Tom Brady documentary. That guy sounds like someone who just thinks the team has given up. Like you look at, you're Tom Brady. You're 40 years old. You're going to be 41 when 
the season starts and you just lost your left tackle, uh, who's protecting you? You're going to take a few hits. You're going to get beat up. And 41-year-old bodies don't handle that too well. You lose one of your best weapons in Deion Lewis. You lose Mr. Clutch and Danny Amendola. Like, I don't know what the Patriots are doing. And I absolutely agree that, uh, you know, like this has been an ugly offseason with all the guys they've lost. Brian, do you think that Tom Brady should be concerned? I mean, like, because he did say, he's like, you know, why are we doing this? What, what, what are we doing this for? Why are we doing this? And it's like all the friction that goes between these teams or the, you know, Belichick and Brady. And then all of a sudden, I mean, two of his biggest weapons are gone and his protection is gone. I mean, it's, they could have spent, they, they could have paid up for Solder. And I get that they're not going to break what they do to go out and, 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 and help Brady, but it doesn't feel like they're doing any favors here. Yeah, Deion uh, Lewis's deal wasn't even that big of a deal for Tennessee, so that was sort of curious uh, when Plan B is, is Rex Burkhead. I I still can't understand what the Jimmy G would happen there. They traded him on Halloween, I think, October 31st, and as Breach pointed out earlier, it's been a huge boon for the 49ers to turn that franchise around literally the moment he, he stepped out the airplane. And I have this conspiracy theory that I, I think – in 18, within 18 months, Bill Belichick will be the 49ers head coach. There's no way he's trading Jimmy Garoppolo and having Tom Brady quit. And then, and then what, he's going to roll with Brian Hoyer for the next five years? So who, where's Kyle Shanahan going? Hey, he, he didn't – Bill Belichick takes no prisoners. It doesn't make sense. Explain to me why you would trade Jimmy Garoppolo for a second-round pick after you were, you were saying the bottom line was two first-rounders the previous offseason. And suddenly in the middle of the season, you had to change your heart, and uh, you're going to roll with Tom Brady and Brian Hoyer. Tom Brady, as, as Breach points out, is going to be 41. And the other part of that is, like, not just Garoppolo, but the, the mind-boggling benching of Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. Like, that's just these are two of the most mind-boggling decisions that any coach has made in the NFL in the last five <laughs> years, and they were both made by Belichick, and they were both made within four months of each other, and that just blows my mind. Like I, I don't think that Ryan's conspiracy theory is that crazy. I don't think he's going go to go <laughs> to the 49ers, but I could see him leaving New England uh, sooner rather than later. Breach, let me ask you this: If um, Marvin Lewis had done two similar moves like that, how would uh, Bengals fans have reacted? I mean, they would have set the city on fire. They would have rioted because <laughs> Bengals fans are already on edge because they think everything Martin Lewis does is a horrible, is another reason to get rid of them. Uh, so <laughs> if he made a decision like that, you know, and, and they lost, uh, yeah, Marvin would be, Marvin would be run out of town. I mean, it has to be a case where somebody told Belichick, there's only one person who can tell him to do it. I don't think that one person can tell Belichick what to do, though. I, I Unless could. it's his girlfriend. Linda Holiday ordered the Garoppolo trade? Yeah. Possible. Give me a loser in free agency breach. Ooh, I got a few losers. You know, I was going to go with the Patriots, but you said them. And we already talked about the Seahawks. Uh, and we already talked about A.J. McCarron. So we kind of went through my list, but I do have – the Miami Dolphins as a loser in free agency. And and the big reason, they got Amendola, you know, and they signed Albert Wilson. So they got a few receivers. But, you know, you lost your best receiver, even though he would have been expensive to keep. You lost one of your best defensive players. And now, due to Tannehill restructuring his contract today, uh, you're stuck with him for the next two years, basically, whether you like it or not. And, and I still don't think Tannehill's that good. And that is not a guy I'm tying myself to. For two years, I would have given him this year to prove himself, and that's it. 
But now with that restructuring, you know, it's going to be uh, uh, not very good to their salary cap if they were to release him after 2018. It's like they restructured Tannehill to save themselves from the $22 million cap hit they're taking by releasing Adamkin Sue. What's that old cliche that old people use, Wilson, paying Robbie <laughs> Peter to pay Paul? <laughs> That's it. Just used it today. <laughs> Do you so, your, are we, uh, are we ever looking at – what's that? You called your college-age son and told him, hey, you're Robin Peter to pay Paul. Oh, uh, breaking news. Uh, breaking news here. Breach is actually my son. Uh, <laughs> are we at all overlooking the fact that Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill seem to have things turned around late in the 2016 season, right before he got hurt again? And maybe there's a chance they – I think Breach is right. I think they're losers. But is there a chance they won't be terrible, assuming Tannehill can get fully healthy and he sort of buys into the whole Adam Gase uh, program? I'll just say real quick, you know, Brinson was saying, hey, maybe the Seahawks are the worst team in the NFC West. I'm going to say that maybe the Dolphins are the worst team in the AFC East right now. I think that's a great uh, Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think that the Jets are better than a five-win team they were last year. And the Dolphins are terrible. They're a hot mess. All right, you sold me. <laughs> I mean, yes, but the Dolphins do this every year. They just sort of churn the roster in free agency and end up in, like, the middle. I thought, I thought for certain – that they would be using the number 11 pick or some future pick to make a move up and try and get a quarterback, whether it's Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or somebody. But when you do that Tannehill deal, it's almost like you can't, I mean, it's hard to go draft a quarterback this year, right? Cause he has to, you're going to have to play Tannehill for two years unless you cut him. Like what's the cap penalty now for each of you cut him? Uh, it's, a, it's $5 million more than whatever it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, it's prohibitive to cut him. You could theoretically trade him. Um, you can still bench him and play somebody else. Maybe they can still draft a quarterback. I just don't see a discernible plan from the Dolphins as to what they think they're going to do. Like they like they trade Jarvis Landry, who's a slot receiver, and I'm fine with that because it was $16 million was insane. But then they add Danny, Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson in free agency. Like What, what is your what, – what is happening here? It doesn't it – doesn't, there's no plan. So I – Agree with them as a loser. Ryan Wilson, what's your loser? Give me a loser. The Baltimore Ravens. So they cut Jeremy Macklin, which makes sense. He was due a uh, million-dollar signing bonus in a couple days, and he had a terrible year because he was injured for part of it. But this is how terrible a year it was. He was actually the f- number four receiver on, on that team in terms of receptions. The number one receiver in terms of receptions, 37-year-old Ben Watson. Number three was the running back, Javoris Allen, and number two was Mike, Mike uh, Wallace. He wasn't coming back either. So that tells you the state of affairs with uh, elite quarterback Joe Flacco. But so Macklin's gone. Train wreck. Yeah. So so what do they do? They signed Ryan Grant for four years, and what's the damage? Twenty nine million, which sent Ravens fans into a tizzy, and <laughs> understandably so. So apparently Jay Gruden loves Ryan Grant because he's uh, a coach's player and he's smart and he does all the right things, but he also doesn't play a lot. And in four years in, in Washington. I'll let you guess how many uh, 100-yard games he had. I'll guess. Breach, I'll let you guess first. I know it wasn't a lot because I remember people complaining about the fact that uh, they never happened. Like, one, two? See, I read my colleague Ryan Wilson's story, and I know that the answer is zero. He didn't give a single. He has yes, a, a thousand career receiving yards, and they gave him $29 million. What the hell is going on around here? 
So they have Brashad Perriman, their former first-round pick, who, who might be one of the biggest busts no one ever talks about. Uh, Mike Wallace is leaving. They don't have uh, <laughs> Crocky Gilmore, their tight end who's now free agent, is becoming an offensive lineman. That should tell you the state of things with that offense. So they, they're going to have to draft a, a wide receiver. But someone made this point the other day. The reason there's been such a run overpaying these wide receivers in free agency is because everyone hates the wide receivers in the draft. So I don't know if Calvin Ridley or – uh, Sutton or DJ Moore are magically magically going to solve any of the issues that the Ravens have had forever with their offense. No, they're not. You can't just, there's a, the reason why, and, and I think I'm sure Lockin Ford touched on this in his column that I, I started reading, but had to come do this podcast. Um, why receivers are being overpaid. The wide receiver class in the draft didn't very good. We talked to Chris Trapasso about it and he made some great points on this, this very podcast that uh, Calvin Ridley, who's the number one guy in theory, isn't going to be that great. And if you're the Ravens, you just you just don't have a whole lot of weapons. How about this theory? The Browns are the second best team in the AFC North. Man, you know what? I was gonna say with Ryan, the Ravens might be the worst team in the AFC North, which is kind of almost what Brinson is saying here. But I'm not buying that, Brinson, because the Bengals are the second best team in the AFC North. Are they? Definitely. Wait a second, Breach. Uh, the you're not wrong about the Ravens being terrible, but they did win nine games last year. Oh, they they did, but they lost to the Bengals with a playoff spot on the line. I mean, that alone knocks oh, that's them back. Right, I forgot about that. Like like three spots, you can't win a home game against the Bengals with a playoff spot on the line. When the Bengals have nothing to play for, and they pseudo almost got rid of their coach two weeks before that. Like, come on, the Ravens are the worst team in the AFC North. What's the upside? Sorry, you talked me into it. What's the upside of the Browns this year, Ryan? You know, Brian, Ryan, you know as well as anybody, this is a Browns podcast. What's the upside of the Browns? I mean, what's the downside? This team is built to win in the next 10 to 15 years. No, but seriously, ceiling? I mean, I think the ceiling. I don't think anyone can be angry with what they've done over the last two weeks or whatever it's been. that They've been going crazy with all these moves. Actually, I think it's been like four days is how crazy I think Jarvis Landry makes a lot of sense. Uh, they're paying him too much, but he's not going to be the number one or even the number two. So that that makes sense on some level. Tyrod Taylor, I don't think he starts six games. I think they're going to draft a guy and get him in there and get him sort of acclimated to what to, quote unquote, trying to win a football game. Um, they got to fill Joe Thomas's shoes. They signed um, Chris Hubbard, who's above average uh Offensive lineman, but they have more work to do there. Carlos Hyde makes sense. And there are a million things they can do at number one and number four. I don't think they should take Saquon Barkley, to be honest with you. I think they should take a quarterback, and then if they're able to get Chubb, and you talked about this before, Brinson, put him opposite to Miles Garrett, and then that solves a lot of your problems on defense right there. Yeah. Um, I I could see the Browns finishing second in that division. Is that crazy? It's crazy, right? Tyrod Taylor, yeah, just the person who sits. You send a tweet every uh, February 25th that says, I love what the Browns are doing. So you have to say that. I, I do like what the Browns are doing. And, and, you know, I agree with both of you guys. Like, I'm a huge Tyrod Taylor fan. I love Tyrod Taylor. And the reason I don't think that you're going to have a rookie playing a lot of games next year for the Browns is because, you know, the the unsettling situation at left tackle. If Joe Thomas retire, uh, you throw a rookie there. You don't have a proven left tackle. And all of a sudden that rookie is getting killed. And, you know, that's the Browns M.O. That's what happens every time they've drafted a quarterback for the last 20 years is they throw the rookie quarterback in too early. He gets killed and then they're back at square one. So I don't think they're going to make that mistake again this year. I think Tyrod Taylor is going to start a lot. He's got Jarvis Landry. He's got Josh Gordon. He's got Corey Coleman. So he's got a great receiving core. We've got Carlos Hyde. I mean, 
I, I think the team is offensively pretty stacked. And like you guys said, if they get Chubb, now their defensive line is one of the scariest in the AFC. So it's like, you know, maybe Brinson is right. I can't even believe I'm about to agree with Brinson that they could, they're even in the conversation for, to be the second best team. The 49ers under, Browns over, baby. Um, <laughs> two, quick, two quick winners for me. Mitchell Trubisky is a big winner. I don't know if he'll be any good. Um, I know I'm going to have to read 400 puff pieces from Sean Wagner McGough, colleague, about how Mitchell Trubisky is an elite quarterback uh, over the next month or so. And that's fine. Uh, I like what they're doing in Chicago from the perspective of, okay, we saw what the Eagles and the Rams did. Let's fire our old stodgy coach. Let's bring in a young offensive coordinator. They get Matt Nagy. Then they surround him. They, they, they sign Allen Robinson. They have Cameron Meredith still there. They add Trey Burton. They add Taylor Gabriel. And then they did something else today, and I can't remember what it was. But I think when you mix those guys with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, you get a nice little mix of, uh, of talent on offense. And so I think the Bears could at least be frisky this year. Sportsline projections have them uh, tripling their chance to win the Super Bowl. Oh, no, tripling their chance of making the playoffs. Just from 1.1% to 3.5%. And uh, I think the Saints are big winners, too, because they talked Drew Brees into taking a severely below-market deal and giving a hometown discount. And they played on his sentimentality and his loyalty, and he caved. That and he didn't want to leave New Orleans. Right. Well, I mean, he's 39. Would you want to move at 39? Got three kids. You know how hard moving three kids is? Ryan, any more winners, losers for you, buddy? Um, I I think the the Bears are winners, too. And I think they're winners if they'd only done one thing, and that was fire John Fox. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got two more quick winners. I love what the Titans are doing. I think you have, you know, you hire a former Patriots coach uh you bring him in and now he's trying to turn this place into patriots south he goes out and hire gets malcolm butler Dion lewis i like both of those moves and then you know i think the packers are winners too I think you finally get a weapon for aaron Rodgers with jimmy graham bringing mo wilkerson and what do you think aaron Rodgers was thinking when he saw the report that kirk cousins was signing a fully guaranteed contract i mean he that said, guy's I'm a lock to be the first $30 million guy, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be fully guaranteed. He'll be the first non-free agent to get fully guaranteed. I do think it was sort of a dagger for Aaron Rodgers, though, that he, he's like probably sitting out there checking Twitter. He's like, we got Jimmy Graham. Hell yeah. And then just like we were sitting in Slack like 30 minutes later, or like, actually it's like 30 seconds later, it's like, oh, they're cutting Jordy Nelson. Oh, hell no. I mean, that – I, they still got plenty of weapons. That's kind of kicking the kicking the old groin, right? Yeah, you know, my, one of my favorite tweets was something that Rich Eisen sent out, and Aaron Rodgers favorited it. And somebody tweeted that the the Packers are stocking up on Super Bowl caliber talent. And somebody wrote, "Well, Jordy Nelson's been to the Super Bowl, and Jimmy Graham hasn't." And, yeah. and Rodgers favorited that tweet, which is kind of telling. You know, it's saying that. He's probably not happy about losing Nelson, but, you know, he can't be sad about bringing in Jimmy Graham. Got to be careful about what you like. By the way, breaking news as we get out of here, 49ers signed Weston Richburg to a five-year, $47.5 million contract with $28.5 million in guarantees. That's a lot of cheddar for a center, but that's the numbers on Weston Richburg, and that gives them 
Um, a running back edition and a center edition. Jimmy Garoppolo, also a winner in this offseason. All right, you guys got anything else? Are you ready to go eat some dinner and uh, tuck, tuck, your, uh, tuck your kids in? Let your kids tuck you in bed, Ryan. And, and you know what? If, if Weston Richard does play center, they just signed Dan Kilgore, their other center, to an extension last month, a three-year extension. So uh, that would be interesting little competition going on in San Francisco. Richburg would play hard, too, but it would be silly to – I don't know. It seems weird. I saw Jeff Schwartz tweet that he would definitely play center, not guard, in San Francisco. Schwartz is his old teammate, but who knows? I mean, certainly Schwartz is not the GM or the coach there. All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out, guys. It's been fun. Good free agency podcast. Ryan, what are you, what are you watching? I can see, it looks like you're playing a Minecraft or something in your, in your glasses. Oh, I'm closing the tabs on my computer. Good for you. Really? All the porn, all the really? porn tabs. All right. Um, <laughs> at John Breach, at Ryan Wilson underscore 07, at Pick 6 Pod. Follow the podcast. I'm at Will Brinson, all on Twitter. Follow, uh, subscribe, rate, review, five stars. We will talk to you guys maybe Thursday, but probably not because NC State tips off at 445. I may have a couple adult beverages and uh, see you on, maybe we'll see you on Friday, maybe not. Maybe we'll see you on Monday. If, uh, have a great rest of free agency if I don't talk to you.